Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint. Today, our guest is Ian, the CEO and founder at Hyperize. Hello. Christian, hey, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me today. Nice to meet you. Please tell us what your company does. Hyperize essentially is a personalization platform. What that really means is that we can create personalized experiences that drive engagement and get more people you know, taking your call to action or just grabbing people's attention, essentially. I found this fascinating, so I'm super excited to dive in. Please tell us uh, your best features, in your, in your opinion. Yeah, so uh, ultimately the, the, the most effective feature, which I think is the best feature, um, is the image personalization. And the reason for that is that the human brain processes images like 60,000 times quicker than text. So when you have an image, it's really powerful at conveying information. Of course, we all know that because people talk about you know, an image, you know, paint a thousand words, all that sort of thing. But because images are processed so quickly, when you have personalization inside an image, it triggers what's referred to as a pattern interrupt. Essentially, that's just the subconscious brain seeing something first and kind of shouting, hey, hey, pay more attention to this. And that kind of friction, that pattern interrupt, that psychological behavior just leads to more mind share and ultimately more people taking your call to action. So you know, we, we see companies using these personalized images in outreach, in email, in LinkedIn, et cetera, and doubling or even tripling their engagement rates. So, I mean, certainly that's that's a feature that all of our customers you know, really love. What types of personalization do you have? So you have uh, images, video, and also text, right? Yeah, so uh, website personalization. So you can personalize your existing website, uh, any landing page, homepage, your blog page, etc. Um, as you said, uh, images and videos too, but also we can create video pages, you know, so where you have like your video, maybe like a Calendly sort of thing underneath. And so what you can do is you can kind of link all of these up to create like true hyper-personalization. So you know, someone might click uh, a link or an image in a message and then lead to a personalized landing page and maybe even a personalized video on that page. Fantastic. And regarding the platforms, I saw also LinkedIn, chatbots, can you walk us through to the yeah basically anywhere where you can place an image you know or, or use some sort of kind of outreach like that you know then, then you can use hyperize so obviously the most people are kind of p typically using linkedin you know for business engagement or, or email but also chat bots um you know or even you know uh, printed media so a lot of our customers that kind of using like say um uh um, Amazon for outreach, they never get the, the digital details of contacts, but they do have their postal address. So creating mm -hmm. a postcard that's personalized to each recipient maybe with a scannable QR code, which then leads the client to a, a personalized landing page. That is incredibly powerful, obviously a bit kind of combining offline and online together. Yeah, exactly. And more on the technical side, how does it work? How do you get all this data? Uh, yeah, so essentially there's, there's kind of a couple of parts. So Let's say, for example, you're using HubSpot as your CRM. And obviously, you've already got a tremendous amount of data in there on your clients, maybe their email address, you know, obviously first name, last name, maybe a website, etc. So all of that information is kind of integrated or then the platform is integrated with Hyperize. And so that information becomes available when you send out a campaign. You know, you think about it from an email template perspective. You know, you have placeholders in there, first name, last name, etc. Our images and other personalized assets are exactly the same. You put placeholders in there, and those placeholders are replaced dynamically, like, like as in a mail merge. But what we also do is layer on top of that firmographic um, uh, enrichment, so essentially like business assets. So 
if we have a, a business email or a domain, you know, then we can get screenshots of the website, we, we can get logos, etc. And so, you know, it's that uh, kind of data enrichment as well that we layer on top, uh, you know, with the, the base data that you have. I understand, I understand. What are the use cases of the product? Uh, yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a couple, um, really, but I think they broadly fall into two camps. And <clears throat> the first of those is, Kind of we, we, one of the things you can do with Hyperize is create humanized images. So that might be, you know, like say me kind of waving like this, but maybe like holding something like a placeholder and then that placeholder get replaced with <clears throat> a personalized ticket, for example. So I might be a salesperson and I want to reach out. And so creating that uh, a kind of humanized personalized image that leads to creating stronger relationships, you know, and, and more trust. And so we have a lot of like SDRs and BDRs, ABM, sort of kind of uh, workers who use this as part of their initial outreach, like I say, to create that initial human connection and so that kind of humanized sort of image. We also have lots of digital agencies and SaaS businesses, like you know, marketing type uh, campaigns where they're using visualization. How important is personalization nowadays? <laughs> you probably agree that it's the only differentiator that you... <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think... Um, you know, if you look at the number of messages that we're all exposed to on a daily basis, there was a recent uh, article or study, should I say, done in the New York Times, and, and they, 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 they suggested there was over 5,000 messages a day that we're exposed to. And so, of course, we've all got the same amount of time in, in every day. And so what's happening is the amount of time we have to grab somebody's attention is reducing. And, it, you know, it's, it's literally just a couple of seconds now because we're so adept uh, to, you know, to filtering out messages, you know, and that sort of thing. So to be able to stand out and grab people's attention has, has never been more important. You know, and there's obviously coming more so, you know, every day as more and more people are out there, you know, bombarding our prospects with other messages. So to be able to stand out, to be able to be effective in your outreach has, has never been more important. I totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> what are our best integrations? Uh, well, Hyperize, I think one of the strong points is that we're kind of um, uh, you know can work with any sort of platform so you know we we, we 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 integrate with pretty much every crm out there every email outreach many many linkedin automation tools and so i think in, in terms of best integration i think it's, it's not necessarily one specific one because they're all universal in terms of, of how we do that integration um, but it's, it's the number of them that I think is the thing that stands out rather than any specific one. How competitive is your market? It's quite a nascent market, to be honest. Uh, there aren't that many um, players in the market that are actually, in fact, there aren't any other players at all that are doing exactly what we do in terms of like this true hyper-personalization. Obviously, there are specific uh, kind of players within each of those kind of silos, like say just website personalization, you know, there's Optimizely, for example, you know, who were recently bought out by Adobe for you know, several billion. So, you know, they're, they're certainly the, the, the kind of the, the, the king, if you like, in, in uh, website personalization, but they don't do video personalization and they don't do uh, image personalization. So, you know, they, they don't kind of have, you know, a kind of a full kind of like for like product. And then maybe in um, image personalization, this maybe like nifty product, uh, nifty images, who uh, you know have probably been the, the longest standing player in the industry, but they don't have in the video or the website personalization. Uh, and so, you know, th th there's no one particular competitor that we come up with regularly, you know, because like I said, there's no one really offering that, that kind of full suite that, that we do. And obviously that helps 
Sorry, go. No, 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 please, please continue. <laughs> now, I was just going to say, from an implementation perspective, as many of our customers aren't technical, you know, being able to have one solution that, that manages all of that it, it is tremendous help to them. And so I think that that's, you know, we don't really have a, a true competitor in that sense. That's awesome. I'm super happy for you. And how did you come up with the idea? <laughs> well, I've been running SaaS businesses or online businesses, should I say, for the last 20 odd years. And, and personalization is, is something, a, a strategy that I've always lent on because it's always been most, uh, you know, the most effective strategy that, that, we've, that we've had in our kind of armory, if you like. But up until recently, you know, with, with the evolution of, of data enrichment and cloud computing, it hasn't been possible to kind of do this you know, in real time, you know, as our platform does. But just, I'll just give you a real quick story of, of how it first came to be. My first business I started back in 1999, so a long time ago, like 24 years ago now, it's crazy to think that. Um, <laughs> we were selling online cars, so cars built to order, so you, whether it's from Ford, Ferrari, and everything in between, you could go to our website, build the spec the car up, and we'd place the order directly with the manufacturer and deliver it straight to your door, cutting out the dealer networks and saving 20, 30%. But one of the things we used to do, bear in mind this was back in 99, we used to print off like the, the quote pack and send it in the post. <laughs> you know, crazy to think that now. Uh, but what we found is the more pictures of the vehicle that we put on there, you know, the, the, the higher chance of conversion. And so, and we also had a great source of kind of additional revenue through affiliate partnerships, um, you know, to supplement the, the kind of the deal. And one of those was private number plates. And what we used to do, we used to do this manually used to put on the on the front facing picture of the vehicle the best matching private number plate based on the client's name and so we'd do that manually in like photoshop essentially and we you know we had one person employed just to do that but we sold more number plates and made more money from that than we actually did selling the cars and that was kind of the light bulb moment for me you know at the time i was like wow this is amazing and, and you know fast forward let's say 24 years you know and, and we've now got a platform that you know, rather than having to hire somebody full time to do that, you know, you can just automate that completely. And so that's always been the goal you know, for, for, for many, many years. But like I say, it's just the, kind of the convergence of technology that, that now enables that. No, that, that, that's fantastic. And probably that, that is the future with hyper personalization. So, well, uh, yeah, I find it amazing. <laughs> How big is your team right now? Uh, we're, we're a very small uh, you know, business organization um, and we leverage you know, kind of remote workers as much as possible. So we're, we're, we're two founders uh, and we have a, a small support team of four people uh, and then a small development team of, of five people. But what we do is kind of uh, supplement that, like say, with, with kind of a remote working team, you know, wherever we do, depending on which project we're working on. So very small core team in, in, in total. But like I say, we kind of, um, uh, we, we can make big bang for our buck. How hard has has it been to build the technical part? Because from outside, it seems uh, <laughs> out of this world. Cheers, <laughs> uh, thanks for saying that. Um, in my background, I'm a technologist. You know, I was a developer before I did anything else, uh, and so that you know that's something that I've always been passionate about. And so, even though it's it is technically difficult to achieve some of these things, that's always the part that I feels most natural to me, and so the kind of most most common you know thing to achieve. It, it's. It, I think the the real hard thing is the human relations. You know, getting a team to kind of vibe and, and kind of gel together. But yeah, I mean, obviously with with technology, one of the things we're playing right now is with kind of AI being able to do that in, in a much more effective way. And, and and there, 
the kind of the mass data that you have and the training models uh, to achieve these things, you know, it is is quite a quite a shift from you know what I'm used to from a technologist, and so that's definitely a, a, a challenge. And, and and really being able to do all of this in real time, you know, there are some solutions that that can do it, you know, by a lot of pre-processing, certainly with with video side of things, uh, but being able to do it in real time where somebody a user takes action without you having to do anything and it just happens. That's that's really the key. So, but yeah, we, we're certainly getting there. You know, our our kind of watchword is always kind of you know, keeping everything under sub second. So, you know, anything takes longer than that, then you've lost the user that they've gone. So, yeah, it really is the kind of time is is, is always the the biggest uh, uh, kind of uh, barrier that we come up against. Have there any funding? No, um, like I said, I've started a few uh, SaaS businesses. Um, over the last 20 years and so i've been fortunate enough to be able to kind of bootstrap or, or self-fund this one i have taken um bc funding in the past in previous businesses uh and I, I, i'm not really a, a massive fan of that to be honest because you know there's you, you tend to have as, as a founder a certain vision and obviously when um when you take on funding maybe sometimes you're taking different decisions you know based on having to kind of the time pressures of of returns of that that you know that a, a VC might require, and that's not necessarily always in the best interest of, of you know the business's long-term objectives. And so I, I was quite keen um, in, for this business to be able to kind of avoid that route and do that. And so so far, uh, that that's been a successful um, decision. Do you think you found product market fit? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, in the, the you know, we, we've grown, we, we kind of launched in April uh, 20, uh, well, just, just 2020, so just just as kind of the COVID kicked in. Uh, and, and when we first, uh, before we launched, I say, in my mind, I've, I've always considered myself like a technologist, but also kind of a marketer through, through the businesses that I, I've set up. And so we were, we were very much squarely focused on the marketing organization type businesses. But as I mentioned earlier on in, in the podcast, you know, a majority of our customers, well, not majority, but a lot of our customers are using it in, in this sales sort of way. And they kind of came to us in the early days of COVID when you know, lots of uh, kind of salespeople were having to work in a different sort of way. They couldn't pick up the phone and talk to somebody because nobody was in their offices anymore. And so, you know, they had to rely more on email. And so we saw you know, this groundswell of uh, kind of salespeople coming to our product and finding, you know, finding it very very kind of effective in doing that and so it's almost like, like we found product market fit by accident in that you know we were focusing on one area and then this whole other kind of uh, a segment of, of uh, the market came to us and so they kind of found product market fit for us in a way what did you say was the biggest challenge you mentioned uh, building the team building the relationship would you say is that uh, the biggest one since starting the company yeah, I think certainly, you know, any business is reliant on people, you know, and, and that's the, always the, the kind of the most dynamic element, I think, of a business, something that it can change you know, very, very quickly. But I think also um, that aside, the, the, te- the speed of change of technology, and obviously we look, we, people talk about AI now and, and AR, augmented reality, those two elements are so fast-paced that as a business, you've got to balance kind of, looking at that and focusing on that versus you know what was our roadmap you know so if, if we decided a roadmap 18 months two years ago it would be unrecognizable today because of you know the fast pace of technology and sometimes you've got to 
you know, you, you've got to kind of stick to your guns and sometimes you've got to abandon things or change things, you know, to focus on, on the new. And that's always a challenge trying to get that right, you know, rather than just leaping from one thing to the next all the time and maybe creating uh, not the best product because you're not investing the, you know, the, the full amount of time, you know, versus also having like the latest, uh, you know, uh, technological uh, advancement. So I, I think, again, that still comes down to a human decision, but it is the technology pace that is, is kind of creating the issue. Yeah. Or uh, opportunity. <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to, to know what has been your best growth tactic for getting new people to the platform? Yeah. Um, I, I think um, for, for us, one of the, one of the most interesting uh, growth strategies we've done, again, it comes back to the kind of the visualization. Uh, it's one of, one of our clients, um, AdWorld, They're putting on these kind of regular events. And what they wanted to do was when somebody registered for their event, they wanted to send out an email saying, you know, thanks for registering. And so what they did is they created like an event ticket, but it was a personalized one. So it looked kind of like it had the person's details on it, whatever, uh, you know, their company name, maybe their logo. And it kind of when people registered and they received this you know, it, uh, email with this personalized image in it, it kind of created this moment of delight because something maybe not people had seen before. So they, and there were also gifts, so there's kind of a, a movement in, in, in there as well, which kind of draws the eye in. And so what they found was that people, recipients, the, you know, people that registered for the events, were and sometimes sharing these to their social channels to say, hey, look, you know, I've just received this. This is really cool. I'm going to this event, you know, whenever the date may be. And that was without even any prompting. And so then they started to kind of, in, in these thanks for registering emails, actually saying, oh, be great if you could share this. And you, if you use this hashtag, then you're going to get into a, uh, You know, some sort of uh, you know potential to, to win something, and so we we kind of spoke to them and saw that wow that's a really great um, kind of use case, and so we did an A B test with some of our clients, and what we found is that the amount of registrants that an event was getting we did it we did it thirty seven events and about forty five thousand registrants in total, so it was a reasonable sized data set, but the amount of registrants when they were using these personalized event gifts increased by over sixty percent. And the attendance went from something like average of 30% to almost 50%. So not only are you getting more people in the pot, but more people were then actually engaging and turning up. And so that was, you know, it's one of those ones that it was, it, you know, it was a happy kind of uh, find. Like we, we didn't go out thinking about how we're going to do this, but just, just saw, you know, the, the success that one of the clients was having, you know, and again, for them, it wasn't a planned strategy. It was very much kind of, You know, they, they, they just kind of clocked what was happening with, with their prospects sharing this and they tapped into that. And that was kind of like you know, an unexpected find. So they're always uh, nice to see. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Um, what is your vision for the future, for the future of Hyperize? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as I mentioned already before, the kind of the, the, the rapid growth of AIs is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty phenomenal. And so some of the things that we're doing, you know, and, and people uh, listening to this may be familiar with things like uh, talk about uh, kind of like deep fakes and those sort of things. But, you know, and that generally tends to be, you know, some kind of famous actor or celebrity or whatever, you know, and, and they're creating these deep fakes of them for, like I, I saw one that was like a, a, a Star Wars uh, uh, trailer, but all with like uh, various different actors kind of in there is kind of a deep fake or, you know, that, that sort of thing, but do, using that in, in a professional capacity. So, you know, kind of rather than recording a lot of videos, having said the lip syncing and the voice cloning is all done dynamically via AI, something that we're investing in heavily here. And again, obviously it's all about 
using things that you could do manually now, but you know would be uh, prohibitive to do. You know, uh, kind of for a thousand people, but you might record a video for one person. So being able to do that um, is—I wouldn't say it's the holy grail, but certainly from a personalization perspective, you know, and being able to, to kind of do these sort of things at scale and at mass is is certainly the, the, the kind of the near-term future. In terms of the long-term future. Well, I, I'm not sure I would even like to hazard a guess you know, the, the pace that things are moving at these days that, you know, you can't really look too further down the line than, you know, than like say eight, eight, 10 months, 12 months, you know, sort of time frame. I was curious to know your full backstory. So if you, if you can walk us through the companies that you had and uh, how you started your career. Mm. Yeah, so I, I started off as a developer. So the first um, eight or 10 years, no, eight or so years of my life, I was a developer and then more of a kind of project program manager and that kind of career culminated in, in me working for Adidas, uh, you know, which is obviously a great brand. And I really enjoyed kind of being associated with a brand that was so recognizable. And, you know, when, when somebody, the inevitable question, people ask you what you do, it's, it's much easier to kind of explain it when, when it's related to a product or something that they, they have some sort of affinity with. Um, and and that, that was kind of, I said, back in 98, 99, uh, and then purely by chance, um, you know, I, I wanted to, I was looking to buy a new car and somebody mentioned to me, hey, you know, you can import cars now and save money. And that kind of led to my first, my, my first venture, which was this uh, car import business, uh, which I exited, exited in 2003. And then I spent 10 years traveling around the world, living in Sweden, Australia, South Africa, Thailand. Uh, and, and that was an amazing experience. And I, I Created uh, some other online businesses along the way, um, a price comp- like a product price comparison site, um, consumer products, that sort of thing. Uh, we compared over a million products from you know, thousands of retailers, and that was like an affiliate-based product. So I was able to travel around the world with effectively me and a few remote workers, but you know, generate hundreds of thousands of, of, of savings and revenue uh, along the way. Uh, Whilst I was in Australia, I worked uh, with uh, a company called Geekdom, which was like a tech incubator. And I really enjoyed that, just having the kind of the insight into, you know, know, regularly kind of on a monthly basis, having pitches in and and kind of demo days and that that side of thing, kind of almost being on the opposite side from, you know, being the the entrepreneur with with the idea. And that was really interesting. But what what that did was make me realize that I, I definitely preferred to be on the other side. And I, I came back to the UK in 2010 and started App Institute, uh, which is a code-free mobile app building platform. Okay. Uh, so kind of focused towards small businesses, you know, from hairdressers, takeaway, beauticians, et cetera, uh, where, you know, code-free with no, uh, no, no, no kind of uh, tech expertise can create, you know, choose a, choose a relevant uh, template and build a platform and get it in, in the app stores, you know, in, in the, uh, the Android and Apple app stores and, you know, and, and really make a difference. That, that business is still going today. I'm still the CEO of that. And, you know, we have tens of thousands of customers worldwide, you know, all self-serving, signing up for their, uh, you know, signing up to our platform and building their own apps. And so that's incredibly uh, gratifying to, to see that, especially when, you know, I, I might be on a traveling somewhere and, and going to a restaurant and see they're using one, uh, an app built on our platform. That's pretty amazing. Um, and then, like, as I mentioned, obviously, Hyperize is, is the most recent business that uh, I started in, in um, early 2020. And what's your best piece of advice for a starting founder? I, I, I think uh, 
the thing that I, I always uh, say to anybody that I'm, I'm talking to in that case is is to take small steps, you know, because everything can seem very overwhelming when you first start, um, you know, but it's take small steps, but do them quickly. Cause I think, you know, you can kind of procrastinate and, and kind of get stuck in the detail if, if you, you know, take things in, in too big a chunks, if it like. So, you know, create, find, you know, how you can split up your, your idea, your project, and, you know, and, and kind of do it in, in, in very small ways and try to validate as much as possible as you go without super investment. You know, I, I see people, especially like in the app uh, kind of uh, industry, you know, people have always, almost everyone has an idea for an app, you know, and typically cost of developers these days, you could spend a hundred thousand pound, you know, having an app developed, but there's probably a, a, a much more simpler way that you can validate the idea with doing much less without spending all of that money. You know, and I think, you know, when that's the case, you know, always look to kind of see where those quick wins are. Like the Airbnb guys, when they first started, they just rocked up at an airport and spoke to people. Hey, can I help you find, you know, loca- you know somewhere to stay? And, and that's a brilliant example of, you know, if you had to build the infrastructure of what Airbnb has now, you know, you'd be spending many tens of thousands, but you can validate that, you know, that, without spending virtually anything just by kind of putting yourself in front of the customer and, and validating the idea. So you can save yourself some time and a lot of money by, <laughs> by doing that. That's a great example, and thank you for sharing this this mindset. Yeah, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah. What's your favorite SaaS product apart from Hyperize? Um, so as a kind of uh, a B two B business, you know, obviously our customers are other business organizations. We um we, we find there's a lot of value in in LinkedIn as as an outreach tool, and so um, using a LinkedIn automation tool can really help in terms of kind of making that a, kind of a, a repeatable, refined process. Uh, and we use expandy.io um, as as a, a LinkedIn automation tool, uh, and that's I, obviously with with Hyperize we integrate with lots of uh, tools and lots of uh, LinkedIn tools. And so I have been privileged enough to kind of work with many, but but the, the team as, as much as the software are amazing at expandy. And so you know I've had um, a lot of uh, or we've experienced a lot of growth through the effectiveness of that platform, um, you know, and and the capabilities that brings. So yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, I, I would never hesitate in recommending them as as, as my as the go-to for LinkedIn automation. Thank you for sharing. Is there anything else that you want to tell us on today's podcast? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure actually. It feels like we've we've, we've covered so much. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if anybody does have any questions or would like to uh, contact me, you know, just search me on on LinkedIn. Just search for Ian Naylor, uh, and I'll, I'll be happy to have a chat or help if I can. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. (laughs) My pleasure. Thanks again for having me today.